You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to the Influencers in Accounting podcast with me, Rob Brown. On behalf of the Accounting Influencers podcast network, five shows going out every day of the week. You get one show that interests you if you're in the accounting and fintech space. And this is the show where I get to interview super smart people that are really passionate about what they do. I'm thrilled to have with me today, Michael King, the Connected Accountant. Good day, sir. Rob, So thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Michael, it's uh, not often I come across very passionate people in the accounting world. They are out there but you are definitely one of those guys where the light shines out of your eyes and you're on fire with a crusade. So for the benefit of our listeners, tell us what you do. Sure. I have a, I have a fractional CFO firm that, that's been operating for about six and a half years now. And about a year and a half ago, I started another business called The Connected Accountant, where I work with accountants and fractional CFOs to help them start, scale, and optimize their advisory services. You said that before, haven't you? That just tripped off the tongue there. It's been a couple of times now, yeah. <laughs> now, as a former nuclear submarine guy, this is quite a pivot for you, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. It's, it's not a tale you hear very often. No, indeed. And you're a podcaster, aren't you, too? Tell us a little bit about your show, Michael. Yeah, and, and this, the show is called The Connected Accountant. And it's exactly the same thing that I just said that kind of is the mission of my firm. I, I want to help accountants and fractional CFOs start, scale, and optimize their advisory services. So my show comes out once a week on all the podcast platforms as well as YouTube. If you want to see my face, the option is there. But really, that's what that's my sole focus, is, is just talking about things that I know other firm owners need to understand in order to have a successful advisory firm. Well, the fractional role is growing. I'm going to ask you in a minute why it's growing, but just for definition of terms, what is the difference between an accountant stroke CPA and a fractional CFO? Sure. I think they can be this. You can be a CPA and a fractional CFO. But in the traditional sense, the way that I like to explain it, Rob, is that when you think of a bookkeeper or an accountant, they typically tend to be what I call rearview mirror focused. They're reporting on what happened in the past, whether that's through bookkeeping or tax preparation. Those things are all contingent upon historicals. And I want to take the, a moment right now to say that that work is absolutely critical, right? The advisory thing doesn't work if the rearview mirror looking work isn't done with excellence. Now, the differentiation comes in when you start shifting from that rearview mirror looking to the forward looking work. That's where we're thinking about forecasts, projections, goal setting, strategic objectives for our clients. And so really the, the, the line in the sand, rearview mirror looking versus forward looking. Are we doing a disservice to accountants saying they're all backward looking? We know they've got to do the compliance. We know it's mandated by law, but a lot of them do do the advisory stuff, don't they? They do do the reporting and they creating strong business insights and good decision-making data for their business clients. There are a lot of them that do that at a very high level and do it very, very well. Where I see, I would say 90% of them falling short on that front is they're not doing a good job of explaining to their clients that that's what they're doing. 
And I would say even more than 90% aren't getting paid for doing that work. They're still getting paid for doing the, the compliance and the rearview mirror looking work. So I think it's really important if you are one of those CPAs that's looking, doing the forward looking things, not just compliance, you've got to do a better job of marketing that and making sure your clients understand it and value it properly. The smaller businesses traditionally would have leaned into their CPA, their accountant to provide strategic advice and, and CFO interim or part-time CFO services. And that was a good source of income for accountants. But we have seen the boom of this fractional CFO, this part-time CFO, this bringing someone else extra into the business to add a whole range of things. Talk to us about this boom and how it's really come about. What are some of the drivers, Michael? I, I think the old school way of thinking for, for a lot of a lot of small business owners and even into the, the middle market kind of businesses was that they just needed the, the books and the accounting done. They needed taxes done well enough that they didn't get in trouble with whatever government uh, we, we might be talking about. But as, as the generations pass, there is this new world expectation that in understanding from business owners that strategy is equally, if not more important than the compliance piece. And, and business owners, are they're just more educated. Business owners today, they understand that, yeah, I've got to work hard and I've got to put the hours in, but I also need a partner on my team to make sure I'm working on the right things. And I think that's just a byproduct of a more educated business owner today than compared to 20, 30 or 50 years ago. And so they're demanding more of that strategic forward-looking work now than they ever have before. I know we get into the point where the CPA, the accountant's livelihood or uh, range of products and services is being threatened by the fractional CFO. I, I don't think that it's th necessarily just by the fractional CFO, but I do see an existential crisis coming for those that focus solely on the compliance work or those that aren't doing a good job of communicating the value that they're providing. And it's kind of a twofold threat, Rob. Number one is there, there are a growing number of, of, of uh, competent accountants that are in the, the, the Asian countries, right? So think Taiwan, Philippines, et cetera. They're getting certified in the US or in other countries as CPAs. They're providing work that is good enough, maybe not as, as great in some cases as some of the services provided in the larger economies, but they're doing good enough. And so that compliance work is feeling, as you put it earlier, downward pressure, pricing pressure, because it's becoming more and more commoditized. Well, the outsourcing is at a fraction of the cost if you go elsewhere, isn't it, Michael? Fraction is an understatement. I mean, you <laughs> you can get you know decent enough work at the you know five to ten dollar an hour range a lot of times by folks with master's degrees in accounting and are certified in multiple countries as accountants. That's one of the areas of threat then is the, the outsourcing, the way you can source capacity elsewhere. What's the other one? The other one is we're, we're not there yet, but AI is, is coming to take jobs in the world of compliance. I think that AI is probably 60, maybe 70% of the way there today, but the, the growth, the rate at which we are approaching that 80 to 90 to 95% of, of the quality, I think we're just, you know, maybe a handful of years away from that. And so I think it's going to become more and more critical for folks in the, the finance uh, industry to lean into the advisory services, the forward-looking services, or like I said earlier, that's, and I don't mean to, to speak in hyperbole, I think there's an existential crisis there. If we look at the squeeze on compliance fees, are you sensing a tension with the CPAs, the accountants out there that are beginning to feel a little bit edgy about the threats from the CFO role, the AI, the downward pressure evaporation of compliance fees? Are you sensing that? 
Because it comes down to then commoditizing the service, doesn't it? It's a hundred percent a commoditized service it, it, at this point. I think I think we're kind of there where it's starting to become commodity. It's really hard to differentiate between a service that's eight dollars an hour in the Philippines and a service that's maybe let's call it fifty or a hundred dollars an hour a lot of times for for firms in in some of the larger, more developed countries. And have you seen, as we have here in the UK, that there are now scenarios emerging but whereby small businesses are not hiring a chartered accountant as we call them or a cpa they're hiring a software certified bookkeeper someone that knows the compliance stuff inside out they're familiar with the tech they don't necessarily need a qualified accountant to submit the account so that takes the accountant right out of the mix it can but i think that there is there is room for the, for the accountant to get into the advisory role. I think that uh, in the US specifically, I can't speak to the UK, but I think the educational system for accountants has done a poor job of preparing them in translating the work that they've done historically into future, future looking work. But the reality, Rob, is that you're very well prepared for it with a few key mind shifts. You're very well prepared to move into an advisory role. I wonder if accountants see the possibilities of advisory without having to do too much extra beyond what they're already doing. It's interesting you speak about the accounting qualification. Is it fit for purpose? Uh, we had Gary Seamus on as a guest recently. He said the number of people taking the CPA qualification has dropped by 50% over the last eight years. So people are just not coming into accounting. They're not seeing the range of diversity in the career, the money that's in it compared to, say, even a law degree. So the qualification, it doesn't prepare them specifically with the technological side and the softer people side of it, which speaks to the advisory role, doesn't it? You're 100% right. And I think people want today, people demand that a higher level of fulfillment out of, out of a career, whether it's that intrinsic or extrinsic reward. Uh, the other thing that I think in the U.S., and, and I would love to hear your perspectives on this in the U.K., I think the accounting industry in the U.S. still largely glorifies the mighty billable hour. There's <laughs> this mindset that in order to grow a firm, it's directly correlated to billable hours. And so you're trading your time for money. And it's very, very hard to build a lifestyle uh, around the billable hour. And so the, you know, how, how do you make more money if you don't want to work more? Well, then you got to go hire people that are willing to trade dollars for hours or hours for dollars. And I just don't think that that's where our culture is anymore. And I think that's one of the big reasons you're seeing the decline in people that are applying to become chartered accountants or, or CPAs, because it's just out of alignment with what culture demands right now. Well, you went and mentioned the billable hour, Michael. So you've opened up that bag of worms right now. Let's look at the accounting profession as a career and say, it's not just the billable hour, but it's the whole culture and the business model of, do I want to qualify and then serve five to 10 years doing the grunt work of audits and, and everything else? No disrespect to audits. And then have to pay a big chunk of money to buy into the equity of a firm and go down that route. Does that appeal to me as a young 20, 30 something professional? Or is there another way of doing it? And of course there is. And I think that's where the this small team CFO firm, or even the solopreneur fractional CFO is, is ripe to grow. And I think that's why we're seeing so many people come into that world because it's really, in my opinion, the best of both. You're, you're doing the numbers work that you're passionate about. The, the reason you got into this is because you love accounting and numbers, but now it's less about billable hours and just working and grinding in the deadlines and more about transformation for your clients. One of the, the big things that I like to say is the difference a lot of times between accounting and CFO work is it's transactional versus transformational. 
And I think a lot of people want that level of fulfillment from the, from their day-to-day activities. The fractional CFO term has not come to the UK and the rest of the world yet. It's very much a US term. We would call it a part-time FD, finance director, or an interim FD, or maybe a part-time CFO that, that would fulfill that description. Do CFOs have to be qualified accountants, Michael, or can they come out of anywhere? I'll tell you just from anecdotal, right? Uh, I'll tell you my story. And, and I've had the 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 blessing to coach over a hundred firm owners now. So I have some data to, to back this. I think it, it can be a mix. It really can be a mix. You you must have a fundamental underlying understanding of accounting principles in order to do it. Like that that just has to happen. Now, do you need to have a master's degree in accounting along with various certifications? No. For some people, that is actually a hindrance because you have to unlearn certain things in order to be successful, I think. Uh, for other people, they're able to leverage those skills and apply them in a different way. But no, I, I don't think that you need to to have proper qualifications in the accounting world in order to do it well. But there is a requirement, a, a hard requirement to understand the fundamentals. I had one story about a guy that used to work on a nuclear submarine <laughs> in the military, and he became a fractional CFO. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, so... It's it's a crazy story. I started as a as, as a nuclear engineer. I've got a nuclear engineering degree. I was on submarines in the U.S. Navy for eleven years. Uh, I transitioned into manufacturing space, plywood of all things, as an engineer. And then through a random chain of events, about eighteen months after starting there, I was in charge of the facility, ninety million dollar a year facility, five hundred plus employees. And in the role, I had PL accountability. Uh, the problem was with my military background and my education, I wasn't quite sure what PRL stood for, much less how to be accountable for it. And so uh, every two weeks, I would get these reports from the controller and the staff accountants, and I was never really sure what they said. So I tried to Google in YouTube, but you're not going to YouTube your way to a $90 million PL. And so I went to the controller one day, Rob, and I said, hey, can you help me understand what these reports are saying? And th- with the best of intentions, and she's a CPA, she really struggled to explain to me what they were saying in terms that I, as a decision maker, could understand. And so I told her, I said, look, this is helpful, but w- this is what I need. What I need is to understand how to apply what I'm learning here so I can make smarter decisions in the business tomorrow. And what she said, she paused and she says, well, sweetie, that's your job, not mine. It, and I, she was right. You know, in that role, that was my job. So I went I went to business school and, and got an MBA. And even in business school, Rob, I saw the, the professors really struggling to get out of the technical perspective and into the application. How do business owners apply it? And when I think, you know, and, and I know these, these statistics are similar in the UK and Australia and other companies, you know, 50% of small businesses fail in the first five years, 80% fail in 10 years. But when you dive into the numbers, Rob, the vast majority are not failing because of bad products or bad services. The vast majority are failing because of bad financial decisions. And so I said, the folks that know these principles have a hard time communicating them with the business owners that need to know them so that they can apply them. That's a problem. And so that's why I really I got into the space. Now, seven years ago, I didn't know it wasn't called fractional CFO back then. That, that just wasn't a thing. But that was really the genesis of it. As I said, how do I need to learn these principles so that I can teach them, translate them to business owners? And I think the most successful CFOs that I work with, that's what they excel at, is that, tr- that, that, that explaining it in a way that the business owners can leverage the, the CPAs or the CFOs' perspectives and insights. That, to me, is what the CFO is all about. And you're talking about the difference between data and 2D reporting, maybe management accounts, cash flow, stuff like that, to the 3D reporting and interpretation of that, which has context. The data has context. So as you're alluding to, you can make smarter business decisions. You can inform the business owner of what's coming up. 
to give them insights and tell the numbers behind the stories. That's the gap we're bridging here, aren't we? A hundred percent. And that's, you know, a lot of people get hung up about CFO qualifications. Like we talked earlier, am I qualified to be a CFO? And what I like to remind people is, listen, we're not dealing with publicly traded companies here, right? In the US, we call them gap reporting, the generally accepted accounting. We're not dealing with companies that, that do that. You're probably not qualified to, to serve as a CFO on that caliber. We're dealing with companies that are maybe, you know, a million to 20 million in revenue. And really for, for them, they, you know, it's it's just that understanding of how to make smarter decisions until they can afford to bring on a fully labor burdened CFO full time. And, and you don't need deep uh, qualifications and education to do that. It's just the application of those rear view mirror things that you've done and applying them in a forward looking sense. But just like you said, that communication, that gap of bridging it so that they can understand it and understand on a day-to-day, -day, how to make better decisions that, that will help them achieve their strategic objectives. And accountants that are facing the great resignation or recalibrating life, making some choices on quality of life, mental well-being, all of these things are in play right now. We, we now have the concept of quiet quitting and doing the minimum to get by. They're looking at changing something. If they come out of a safe, secure accounting role, that protected environment and go their own way and maybe look at becoming a fractional CFO, the consulting life, if you like, they've got to do something they've not really been expected to do before, which is to market, to sell themselves, to win business, to kickstart conversations, to create opportunities, business development, if you want to call it that, selling, dare we use that word. That's intimidating for a lot of professional types, Michael, isn't it? It is. And I would say it's the number one skill gap that most accountants lack in order to be successful as a consultant, fractional CFO, virtual CFO, however you want to brand it, that that is that's a gap that must be closed or you're not long for life. How do they bridge that gap? Is it coachable? It's 100% coachable, but there's, there's some mindset shifts that have to happen. First, the, our industry is typically averse to marketing and sales. It feels slimy. It feels because we've had bad sales experiences and we don't want to be somebody that does that to other people. For me, one of the biggest things that I had to learn was that done properly, sales can actually be a teaching opportunity, a moment to serve, right? The sales call is, is, is something like that. How do you do that, right? How do you take it from something where it's, you know, act now or the price is going to go up. We've got a limited <laughs> number of seats, right? That's that's just not how our industry thinks. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because I don't love that. So you've got to to learn how, how to, to serve through the sales process and understand that if you don't do that, there are businesses that are that are suffering. They need your perspectives and insights. So just that shift that the sales process is something, is an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to teach is really important because if you can let go of the slimy nature of it and embrace it as something that's actually valuable and helpful that people will, will value from you, then it's a bit liberating in that, okay, there is another way, another way to do this. And then it just becomes tactics, right? It's, it's, we're all good at studying and learning the tactics behind it, right? You get there. The other thing that I think is really important that a lot of people just, uh, they're not aware of yet is the fact that when it comes to advisory services, they're deeply relationship and trust-based, okay? So a lot of people think, oh, I've got to go out and do social media. I've got to run paid ads. And that to me, from all the experience I've had is actually counterproductive because social media and ads don't build trust or relationships. They're those are transactional ways of getting business and it just doesn't land. So how do you build a firm then? Well, first and foremost, it's around relationships, right? So it's how do I partner with people that know the businesses that need this and start to build trust? So I think of wealth managers, investors, attorneys, 
CPAs, the, the ones that are still doing the accounting. And I've, how do I serve your audience? How do I help you be successful and start to develop that trust so that your audience sees me as somebody that you trust, but also so that you trust to give me those referrals? Hands down, that's the best way to, to build a business. In the interim, that because those things take time, in the interim, I love platforms like Alignable or Upwork because those platforms have people that have raised their hand and said, I need fractional CFO services. So you don't have to, to educate them. They're already there. Now it's be a negotiation of price and, and scope of work. So to get started, I love those platforms, but long-term, it's going to be relationship-based. Explain to us what a month in the life of a fractional CFO looks like. Is it like a consultant that will have three or four clients and do a day a week for them, a few days a month? You don't have to work every day and you've got a decent income there. Is that it? Or is it something else? So one of the things that I think is important to understand, Rob, is it's a blank canvas. It can literally be whatever you want it to be. So I think the first, I'll, I'll give you some more context, but before I go in, I think the first thing that's so important for people that are considering making the transition, understand what your personal goals are first before you go and start coming up with your service offerings and things like that. And I break personal goals into four areas, lifestyle, family, income, and community. What do you want your personal life to entail? then let's fill the business in around that. Because when you don't do, when you do it the other way, which is what most people do, burnout, resentment, relationship problems, health problems are sure to follow. I, I lived that. So I know that that's kind of what happens. So my disclaimer, set those personal goals first. For my firm, the way that we kind of do a month in the life, we, we collaborate at the month in closeout with the accountant. So we're looking at the financials, we're asking questions, looking for clarification somewhere, you know, around the 10th or the 12th of the month. Then we go into the analysis part of our work where we're kind of, we've got a whole process on how we analyze financials, compare those with the goals the client has, et cetera. We prepare our CFO report for the client, and then we deliver the CFO report for the client. Uh, for some clients, every week or every other week, we'll do a 30-minute check-in call. The CFO call itself lasts 60 to 90 minutes. So really all in for a particular client, you're looking at, I'll call it eight to 12 hours a month for, for that work. And so then the question is, well, how many can you serve? Well, that depends on your processes, procedures, systematiz systematizations in your scope of work and your discipline to maintain those boundaries around the scope of work. So for example, my firm, one CFO handles anywhere from 12 to 20 clients a month. And that, that correlates to around 40 hours a week uh, of working. I have people that are in my program that they want to work, you know, Monday through Thursday from nine to three. And so they work much less. They they handle fewer clients. So then the, the question, how do you make more money? You become more efficient or you raise your prices. And you've got a crusade in this game, Michael, haven't you? You're just not there to make a bit of money. You've got your own organization. You're coaching others. Tell us a little bit about the stuff that you do in this world. Yeah. So I, like I said, I've got the firm KFE Solutions. We've been around six and a half years going strong now. Uh, but but over the years, I've done speaking engagements and I would get accountants and others. Hey, how did you build this firm? How did you do this? And I, well, that's not why I don't really help people with that. But I see this growing need for it for the reasons we talked about earlier, Rob, with the downward pressure on the industry, the expectations of the market changing. And so a year and a half ago, I said, look, I want to educate other people on how to serve in the way that, that I have found to serve through my firm, other accountants, others that want to get into the advisory services. I think that there's there's a need to teach people how to do it. And, and it's kind of two-pronged. One is I think that that people need to know it's possible. The other, the, the accountants and those that want to get into advisory services, it's possible. How do I do it? What, what does good look like? Because I think there's we need as an industry to kind of come together and set some common, some common language and some common footing on what it means to do this work and what good work looks like. 
That's that's the first prong. The second is educating the market itself. Listen, you need this kind of work. You need the strategic help. You need someone that can help you avoid the potholes and achieve your goals. There's people that can do it and we call them fractional CFOs, virtual CFOs. Uh, you have some terms in the UK, but just really educating the market, not only that the service exists, but also what good looks like from that service. Because right now, as I said in one of my YouTube episodes, it's kind of the wild, wild west. There's really no nobody that's that's kind of putting a label on the services. And what ends up happening a lot of times, Rob, is people will offer compliance services. They'll call it CFO or advisory services. And, and the, the market's smart. They look at that and they're like, I'm paying, it's the same thing I got before. I'm just paying more for it now. And so I think that my kind of my mission is to educate both ends, the, 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 the service providers, as well as the market on what good looks like, because Everyone wins when they're with more fractional CFOs helping smaller businesses. Small business is the backbone of the economy. Love that. Love your passion. And uh, there's certainly a lot to be said for this space out there that's growing and you're leading people into it. Trouble is being a pioneer, you often end up face down in the dirt with arrows in your back because you're blazing a trail and you're the first one out of the trenches, if you like. But uh, you're gathering momentum with your movement, Michael, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, we started Humble Beginnings. It was uh, an Instagram account and a free Slack group 18 months ago, not even quite 18 months ago. Uh, and, and as I mentioned before, I've, I've had the privilege of serving over a hundred firm owners now. Uh, I've, I've got a course that has changed firms for people. I mean, it's just changed their lives, their families' lives and their clients' lives, as well as a mastermind where I work you know, closely with firm owners that are, that are really interested in scaling up. And to see the changes along the way, again, for the firm owners, their families, but also the owners of their clients and their clients' families and their clients, it's really uh, probably the most rewarding work I've ever done because of the downstream effect of it all. It's it's incredibly rewarding. Now, before my CPA and accounting bookkeeping audience get really disillusioned that you're showing them another way out of the profession, give some hope to the CPAs that they still have a role to play, but they do need to step up in what they're doing to respond to the threat of the fractional, the virtual, the outsource CFO space and they can raise their game to serve the clients. Yeah, I, I I constantly beat this message that advisory services are dead in the water without good accounting services. The, you cannot have good fractional CFO or advisory services. And so I love good bookkeepers. I love accountants. I love tax preparers. They're absolutely essential. And so my message isn't to diminish the value of those. So you're doing important work, keep at it. But I would also love for you to keep one eye on the future and think about ways that even if you don't want to rebrand yourself as a proper fractional CFO, how can you help with some of the forward-looking work that's going to help your clients achieve their goals, dreams, aspirations, and really answer some of their fears and uncertainties? And so a great place that any accountant can start with that is through cash flow forecasting, helping the client understand their cash flow needs over the, the coming you know six weeks, 12 months, whatever period you want to look at it. That's a great way to start adding additional value that is that future-looking work that is a great compliment to the skill set you already have. I've never met a great bookkeeper or accountant that couldn't do some proactive cash flow forecasting. And the reason that that's so important is cash flow is the number one stressor business owners have. And so you already have the tools to address the number one pain point and stress that all business owners have. And so I think that's big, to me the biggest message of hope is you have the skills to get in the game and to add that value. You've just got to learn how to unlock it and then get paid for that value you're providing. Michael King, inspiring. Thank you so much for your passion and your insights today. That's been amazing. Awesome, Rob. Thank you so much for having me.
You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring. Sponsored.